Man, I don't know about the rest of you, but I had a really good time during Locked In yesterday. Weren't the vibes at an all-time high yesterday? Well, you and I did four hours yesterday, but we really, did. the Locked In hour, everyone was really happy and excited. All the Grant Bricks news. Oh, yeah. Boganowski, EPL. Yesterday was a fun show, and we talked a lot about Grant Bricks, and rightfully so. But it's funny as I go through the Rivals 250 rankings today, and I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Already to this point, the staff or this class has been a success. But have we really taken into account that according to Rivals, not according to On3 or 24-7, but according to Rivals, if OU gets EPL, Eddie Pierre-Louis, he would be the second highest ranked player in this class, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Behind I mean, the discrepancy. David Stone. Yeah, I mean that's he'd he'd be the number two recruit that you have committed up to this point, which is uh, incredible. And again, twenty four seven does not think that. On three does not think that. Does twenty four seven even have him as a top twenty five player in the state of Florida this year? I don't think they have him as a top fifty player. They, in the state yeah, of and meanwhile, uh, Rivals has him as the number twenty six overall player, but. More and more predictions are coming in for EPL. A Nebraska insider logs one today, an Oregon insider, which I think a little stat padding is starting to go on for some of these guys <laughs> reading in that situation. But it's funny, like your second highest rated commit off one major service could happen maybe in the next two weeks. It's wild, dude. I don't yeah. know if that'll hold. I don't know if that'll uh, hold up on signing day or not. They the, rankings the rankings will change. They always do. So... I expect some guys to rise. I expect some guys to fall. There will be ebb and flow. What I, what I do wish is that we at Rivals could do rankings updates more often than we do because I think the last one was in July maybe and there won't be another one until December. I would like to see how midseason film affects some of these guys' rankings and perceptions uh, nationally. But, yes, if you land Eddie Pierre-Louis – he is the highest-ranked offensive commit of your class and the second-highest-ranked overall player in your class, at least according to rivals. David Stone, naturally, he is going to be probably across the board yes. your highest-ranked commit. Did 24-7 do a recent rankings update? Did I see that from a few days ago? And he's still the uh, your, your top-rated commit up the, to this point. The only guy that could unseat him would be, well, if you flip Williams-Winary, then you know that's that. But until then... David it's Stone David Stone is your capstone, your yeah. crown jewel. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what uh, a lot of people are going to like, and we talked about yesterday, like, wait a minute. If you finish out this offensive line class like we think, it's the best offensive line class of the Bill Biedenboe era. It's the best defensive line class in recent memory. Whoa, this is an SEC-ready recruiting class. The trench class, just overall what you got in the trenches, is one of the best that you've gotten in maybe the uh, recruiting rankings era. And in the Rivals' top 250, you've got six top 100 players right now, if and when EPL commits, right? David Stone's the number 10 overall player, Eddie Pierre-Louis at 26, Taylor Tatum at 44, Nigel Smith at 82, Devon Mitchell at 87, and Grant Bricks at 99. Four of those six play on the offensive line or the defensive line. Not bad, huh? Not bad. It's a two pretty D, good trench Two D-line, two offensive line out of the top 100. Yeah, not a bad trench hall at all again man the balance the balance in this class it's so far above and beyond what we came to expect during the mule shoe era and heck steely 
There were plenty of Bob Stoops classes that didn't have great balance. Did you just call me Steely, by the way? Did I? <laughs> I heard I heard Gosh. Steely. Yeah, it's it's all good. First segment. We'll get it ironed out as we as we go forward here. Uh, we're I haven't disappointed I you yet, uh, like you two disappointed each other last hour. So. I know. She she was I, I I got so I was in such a headspace. I was in such a rhythm with yelling, Steely about all of our different uh opinions on food that it must have just got embedded in my brain at a certain point ronnie crimson says anyone else think it's odd how little jeremiah newcomb gets talked about yes i do ronnie crimson um and i think the only reason and we tend to do this this is why like time to time i want to say hey all the 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 guys that recruited like around the spring game let's bring those up because you tend to take Jeremiah Newcomb, a player like that, for granted. A Nebraska legacy who, when he committed at the time, there was some excitement for Matt Rule in Nebraska. Not as much now because, what are they, 3-3 three and three so far this year? And they've had a couple of bad losses. But that was a big commit early on when um, you know Nebraska was doing some exciting things on the recruiting side. But I haven't seen anything about Jeremiah Newcomb so far <laughs> this season, man. Nothing. Yeah, he, he stays out of the limelight. I think that's by design. I think he likes it that way. But, yeah, man, that's another legitimate blue chipper that barely ever gets his name brought up. Jaden Hardy is kind of in that same conversation. Yep. Like, I think we're so focused Did on... he commit that same weekend? Because Jeremiah Newcomb was right around the spring game. Jeremiah Newcomb was a month before the spring game. Was it, okay. March, March 25th was the day he committed. You had someone uh, a few hours after the spring game. I'm trying to remember. It was, was, was it, it Jaden Hardy? Hardy, okay, and then yeah. it was Zion Kearney a couple days later. Yeah. But, yeah, those guys, like, if Jeremiah Newcomb was still out there right now, we would be talking about him essentially every single day like we are Michael Boganowski right now, right? So, yeah, Ronnie Crimson, I would uh, I would tend to agree with you. Someone wants a uh, trench class. They want that on a T-shirt. So let this be the second consecutive show you and I have done together where people want a new uh, T-shirt design on, uh, on the KREF store. I feel like so, there needs to be a bricks and stone T-shirt. Yeah, I agree. If that comes to fruition. Is it bricks and stone or stone and bricks? I mean, take your pick. Whoever finishes higher in the rankings. Uh, which will be which, stone. Yeah, well, I mean, we, 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 we can do two versions of it. Which one you prefer the most, bricks and stone or stone and bricks? We can do that. Uh, Lloyd says, I want a stats job, guys. Stats job is what Lloyd wants. And he's sending us some audio clips here. I don't. I can't listen to these. I'm scared to click on them. Like during the middle of a segment, Lloyd. I trust you, but uh, I'll have to listen to those uh, during the break. Uh, Four hundred five says, "How many open spots does OU have remaining?" Well, it depends on who wants to come, because there are some guys you will make a spot for. For instance, is Oklahoma taking any additional wide receivers? No, not by design. But if Bryant Wesco or Terry Bussey hit Emmett Jones' line and say, hey, I want to come to Oklahoma. They'll make a spot one uh, way or the other. They ain't saying no. And it's much the same conversation uh, with the edge group right now. Are you actively looking for another edge? No. But if Williams Winery decides, you know what, I want to go play big-time SEC ball at Oklahoma. Not small time SEC ball at Missouri. That's that's what that's, was some shade being thrown there. I mean, no, no. I I let you I'll do allow most. Of, yeah, yeah, I'll allow. I let you do most. It's a little of the bit Missouri harder to throw shade, shade at Missouri right now. Unfortunately, they're it's so annoying, dude. 
It's so annoying. I've been having a great college football season so far outside of that. That's the one thing that has made this not the perfect start to the college football season thus far. But if I know Missouri like I think I do, and oh, I know Missouri, it'll start falling apart here down the second half of the season. A 405 Mm -hmm. listener says, Bricks and stone will break your bones, but mule shoe will never hurt you. (laughs) There it is. Yeah, well, mule shoe will never get those guys either. Yeah, yeah, that that ain't. uh, Unless it's via the portal, mule shoe ain't getting dudes like – like uh, bricks and stone. That that ain't happening, man. Jay in Tulsa says, Parker, have you noticed every time you go up to Lee's Summit North, Mizzou Twitter comes unhinged? It's freaking glorious. Yes, you can tell that's not a program that's used to recruiting five stars slash having five stars committed because I'm literally just doing my job. But Mizzou Twitter's like, at this point, he's recruiting him to Oklahoma. Just quit trying. I think they're tracking the White Buffalo somehow. They have a, they have a tracker on the White Buffalo, and they can see any time that you've uh, entered the state of Kansas or the state of Missouri. A 918 listener says, it doesn't matter how many kids we take anymore. All that matters is that we get to 85. That is that actually came before a text that just said, isn't there an 85-25 rule for recruiting? If so, how do we have 26? Yeah, th- th- those numbers don't matter anymore. They don't. Oklahoma's going to take as many guys, as many elite guys as they can possibly get, and they'll figure out the numbers after the fact. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, and I agree with all this, like they won't necessarily take another edge player unless it's Williams Winery. Basically, what you're saying is they're like, after Eddie Pierre Louis, after Grant Bricks, after Michael Boganowski, after all the names that we talk about on a daily basis. It's unless someone else comes along that's a, a five-star, essentially, then you're probably good at a lot of those positions. Now, we think that they're going to have six offensive linemen in the class, okay? it's a lot of offensive linemen. That's a lot of offensive linemen. Are they done? Are they out? Is Jordan Seaton a possibility whatsoever? He's taking an official visit to Oregon this yeah, weekend. And he was at Tyler, Tennessee so you, you two weeks me. ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say... I would think no on that, especially after he, you know, the visit got canceled for the Iowa State game. He goes to Tennessee. Like you said, he's going to Oregon. You, I, I feel like now that you have Grant Bricks or you feel like you're going to get Grant Bricks, you're pretty good. But I just wondered if they would just, you know, still keep recruiting Jordan Seaton or not. Or if they were just going to let that one let that one pass. Like I said at the time, I think that was a wasted official visit anyway, and I'm glad they freed it back up. Because... Ain't no shot Jordan Seaton's a Sooner. Yeah, didn't really uh, – even like the, the week that he was going to visit, what were we saying? Well, you know, I, I guess anything could happen here, but a lot's probably going to have to happen for us to come back on Monday and say, oh, OU's in an incredible situation for Jordan Seaton. They are right there in the mix. That one – you never really got your hopes up about no. that one. No. Never really at uh, any point. Todd and OKC says build your program – on a firm foundation with bricks and stone. Dude, um, we've talked about Grant Bricks' NIL potential, but I think when you combine Grant Bricks and David Stone, the NIL potential. They got to have a podcast together, right? They got to have a podcast. They got to be doing commercials together. Like, I think that duo right there is, uh, I think it's going to play quite well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to play very well. Bricks and stone. One's an O lineman, one's a defensive lineman. They need to they need to have the same NIL agent is is what uh, what probably needs to happen. I can get down with it. Now David Stone and Grant Bricks, how they go about social media and some yeah, other things, a little bit different. a little bit different. Very different. But, That's an odd couple. <laughs> but the two names, uh, the two last names there would make it work. 
All right, uh, let's get it going on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Who is really on flip watch? Who we got to talk about here? We talked about some names just now, but who realistically is on the board right now for hashtag flip watch for OU in 2024? We'll get to that. We'll cover the press conference, what was said, and a whole lot more right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and of course, the ref army as well, which for all of you, and there have been many of you that have filled out our survey, our quick six-question survey, which, by the way, if you fill that out, uh, we'll pick five people to uh, win a $100 gift card, which is pretty sweet. But thank you for all of those that have uh, filled out our quick six-question survey. And if you haven't already... You're going to get a pushback on the text line if you text in, but also go to our Twitter page, at KREF Sports. Scroll down, what, three, four tweets, and you're going to find the link for uh, that as well. That uh, does us a nice little solid if you fill out that six-question survey. All right, Ref Army is listening nationwide. Eureka, Utah is tuned in via the Ref app. Statesboro, Georgia. Mason, Ohio. Washington, D.C. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Mesa, Arizona, Frederick, Maryland, and Dr. Stickman wants Gage, Oklahoma as our small town of the day. Listening in, listening in in a meeting in San Francisco right now, uh, but once Gage, Oklahoma is a small town of the day, I'll allow it as well. Love that. Thank you for tuning in from San Francisco, and hopefully you really are tuned in during a meeting for your uh, crouton fix here on this Tuesday. Affordable door. As bringing you the Ref Army locator. They compromise on the price, but not on the quality. Visit them online at affordabledoor.net or call 405-635-9499. That's 405-635-9499. More predictions rolling in for OU and Eddie Pierre-Louis. Like I said last segment, I think that's stat padding by some. Some Oregon and Nebraska insiders throwing that in there. And we're getting a, a decent amount of Jimbo Fisher questions today. 405, hypothetically, if A&M loses to South Carolina this weekend, is Jimbo Fisher canned on Sunday? No, I don't think Jimbo Fisher is canned on Sunday. I don't think so either. But The buyout um, is $77.5 million. Oh, boy. Now, Bruce Feldman did write um, on The Athletic recently that money would not be an issue when it comes to parting ways with Jimbo should things continue to spiral in College Station. So I guess A&M is prepared to pay a 70-plus million dollar buyout to Jimbo if it comes to that. My best guess is they'll finish as a 7-5, and five, maybe 8-4 and four team, most likely 7-5, and five, and he goes into next year on the hottest seat in the country. What do, you, what do you think about that for Jimbo? I don't think it's out of the question that Jimbo Fisher is done at Texas A&M after the 2023 season. But I don't think it's a midseason firing. Unless there is an egregious inexcuse. Like, if they lose to Abilene Christian. Okay, yeah, okay, then, then, yeah, yeah then, let's, let's talk about yeah, something uh-huh, there. Yes, we're going to wake up Sunday and Jimbo amazing. Fisher will be gone. Oh, oh I won't but. wake up Sunday. If they lose to Abilene Christian, I'm staying up all night partying, dude. <laughs> While the rest of you wake up, I'll still be up partying from the night before. Now, when a listener Christian. says, Jimbo Fisher voice, come on, Tyler. Wait, Tyler. You, you want to buy me out $77 million? Who are you going to get? Are you going you to get the offensive coordinator there? Hell, he'll go for it on fourth and one. I was unprepared there. That's, that's, that's what I got. Uh, I just love it. It's spiraling out of control. It's great. And that can't um, – like, who, who's, 
Who's A&M's most likely commit that we've talked about to say, uh, do I really want to be a part of this? Is it Dom McKinley? Most likely to have second thoughts about an A&M commitment? I, I feel like the majority of that class would ditch if Jimbo Fisher was fired. Boy, that could be like, a that would good be, thing for OU, man. It really could mm-hmm. be because you have McKinley and you have Bussy locked in with A&M, and Oklahoma was right there in the thick of it with both of those guys all the way up until the final decision. So if at some point those two are back on the open market – uh, yeah, you'll take that, and oh, you'll yeah. make spots for those dudes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you will end up with a massive class if Jimbo were to get fired at the end of the year and uh, half of their class ditches, man. But they that maybe that'd be a good thing for all their commits because uh, to keep them in the class, maybe A&M would just throw more money at that as well. Just like, oh, here's, here's, a, here, here's I, some extra cash okay, here. Okay, don't, don't get me wrong. I know A&M has a lot of money. But realistically, you run out if point. you're paying a $78 million buyout, how eager are you to chuck around a bunch of money to try and keep all of Jimbo's commits locked in? I just, I just want to be able to laugh at A&M for na- from now until eternity that they bought out a head coach for over $75 million. That, that joke will never get old, dude. Never get old. Man, we, off topic somewhat. Keep getting the Whit Edwards questions. This is the second one today. Just curious on Whit Edwards. He has good size and is the number two recruit in Oklahoma for 2024, but it doesn't look like he has many offers. What's the deal there? Well, the deal is he's a tall, wiry football player that doesn't have an ideal positional fit right now because of that frame. He's a tweener, essentially. He is a tweener. What, in Vanderbilt, I think, he was the committed recent... to Vanderbilt. He is, okay, I, I knew the crystal balls were coming in. I didn't see that he officially committed to he Vandy. He is committed to Vandy. Yeah, look, it, he's got athletic upside, but it's really hard to figure what he em, ends up becoming at the collegiate level because if he's going to play defensive end or edge, he's got a lot of weight to pack on. And if he's going to play wide receiver, I, I don't know that he's quite fast enough. If he's going to play tight end, again, wait, got to add it. Got to add it quick. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Adam Gorney of Rivals picks destinations for uncommitted Rivals 250 players. There's old Grant Bricks, the number 99 player in the country, number one player in the state of Iowa, the number six offensive tackle, six foot six, 280 pounds. Gorney says K-State, Nebraska, and Oklahoma are the three front runners for the four-star four out of Logan, Iowa, but the Sooners are now emerging as the team to beat in his recruitment. There was a time where Bricks had a ton of interest in the Wildcats, and then the Huskers looked to have an edge. But it sounds like OU is at the front of the pack now. Are the other uh, are the other stat like K State and Nebraska? Are they aware of this, or is the yeah, question no, when no. is he going to tell them that that is the current situation? From the conversations I've had with folks on both sides, everybody kind of understands where things stand. I think if you're Kansas State and you're Nebraska right now, you're just making last-ditch pitches based on proximity. You are trying to convince the kid, hey, you don't want to go 500 miles away from home. Come on, man. And they're unsophisticated. Farm life is all you've ever known. They're sending him the USC clip of how unsophisticated we are. Man, listen, you're a Mm small-town kid. You're an ag kid. Do you really want to go to Oklahoma? No, no, come on with us. Stay close to home. Study ag in college. This is what you want, not that. SEC, 
You really want to play SEC ball? You know what they're about in the SEC? They're vicious in the SEC. You can be, ain't going to be that small town hospitality. You can be FFA president and the uh, drum major. Was he? Is he the drum major? The drum major, the yeah. They're going to promise him. What's the What's Nebraska's band name? Gosh, I don't know. I okay. think it's just the Pride of Nebraska. Pride of Nebraska. They're going to promise him that he can be the drum major for the Pride of Nebraska if he uh, commits to the Huskers. That's that, what they're going to promise him. That would be something. <laughs> Out there in his scarlet and cream uniform. <laughs> Halftime. Leading the band. It would be amazing. Actually, it would not be amazing because he wouldn't be a Norman, but if Nebraska were to offer that. Uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis, again, number 26 overall player according to Rivals. Gorney says... A top five of UCF, OU, Miami, Oregon, and A&M has emerged for the high-level four-star O-lineman. But Pierre-Louis has been most serious about the Knights, the Ducks, and the Sooners in recent weeks. As decision day gets closer, it sure sounds like Oklahoma is making the biggest push for the Tampa Catholic star who is an elite athlete. Well, it says as decision day gets closer... When is decision day? Again, I expect this to be final by the end of next week, seven to ten days. Takes the visit here, from hands, in, hands in the chip to the staff. And that's, what, that's, kind, of, that's kind of what I anticipate happening. I, by the way, I, I have been told by multiple sources it is not out of the question he announces before he takes this visit. But all in all, what I'm banking on is he shows up for the visit, hands Brent Venables his chip face-to-face, and then announces it shortly. They need to do that. They need to show that on the Jumbotron during the game, handing in the chip. (laughs) I think that's a violation. Please direct your attention to the northeast corner of the end zone where Eddie Pierre-Louis will hand in his chip, and they just do it right there. They take a picture, and it's all day. That would be illegal, yes. I I agree with that, but it would be awesome nonetheless. Sooner Co. Wetzel says, careful with the ag slander. Currently in in a track. No slander. Hey, no no slander. slander. No slander. No slander whatsoever. No ag slander whatsoever. Aggie slander. A&M slander, yes. Farming Mm -hmm. is the backbone of this country. I'm just just telling you, those are the things that Kansas State and Nebraska are going to say. They're going to be like, Oklahoma, they don't got an ag program. You want to live the farm life in the long term. You want to be able to go home and get your laundry done on the weekends. Come to Manhattan, Kansas. Come to Lincoln, Nebraska. Don't go all the way down to Norman, Oklahoma. 580 EPL literally retweeted a tweet that predicted him to commit to OU. That's Yeah, I mean, yeah, feel good about that one, guys. I don't know any other way to say it again. Unless um like I don't think UCF's going to come in here and win on Saturday. I feel very strongly that OU will gosh, win. Gosh, what if they did? <laughs> but uh, I guess that's really the only thing that could turn it upside down. But maybe the decision's already been made. It, they, even that wouldn't matter. UCF upsets Oklahoma, and Eddie Pierre Louis announces his commitment to UCF with a picture from midfield at Owen Field. Yeah. Guy that promised a case of Olipop to Tyler and Parker if Caden Durham doesn't sign with LSU says it doesn't matter who is coaching A&M. Jimbo could stay there for 30 more years and they will just keep paying. I mean, that's all fine and well, but you have to consider the public perception. And that goes a long, long way towards making these decisions because if a coach is on the hot seat, the razor's edge between him getting another year and him getting fired it can be the public perception and patience amongst the fan base. If the fan base is saying, ah, oh, you know what, we're not out on this guy, he's a good coach, just needs time, then he's probably going to have a longer leash than if the fans like, fire this guy right now, he's a clown. If the fans, if the A&M fans get to that point with Jimbo Fisher, trust me, the administration isn't going to hang on. 
They're not going to cling to the hope that Jimbo Fisher will get things turned around at Texas A&M unless they, unless they know things that the fan base does not. Because with the way that A&M has plateaued, if the fans all come to a consensus that they're ready to move on from Jimbo, trust me, the administration will be too. What what record do you think of when you think of a and They were five and seven last year. You think of five and seven, or do you think of eight and four? I think of eight and four. Okay, perfect, great answer. So here's what I hope happens for Jimbo Fisher. He gets fired at the end of this year. He gets a seventy seven million dollar buyout. And you know how we have Bobby Bonilla Day every single year? I hope that the buyout is structured to where we have, on August 4th, every single year, 8-4 on your calendars, it's Jimbo Fisher Day, and he gets a million dollars from now until, God, his, his grand, great-grandchildren are still around. I hope we have Jimbo Fisher Day on August 4th like we have Bobby Bonilla Day every single year. That is, that is my hope with Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. It'd be glorious. Gosh, if I'm Jimbo Fisher right now, the way that Texas A&M is training, like I'll I'll say it, I'd want to get fired. Give me that enormous buyout. Give me generational wealth. I'll go fish in West Virginia. He does seem like he'll be the next West Virginia head. Like Neil Brown, um, I don't think they're going to fire him at the end of this year. I think he'll probably get at least six wins. But Jimbo was just made to be like kind of like I feel Mule Shoes made to be the Texas Tech head coach at some point. Jimbo's made to be the West Virginia head coach someday, and he'll probably he'll probably succeed there with his own people out there. 405-651-3439. A lot of text to get to uh, Michael Boganowski committing Thursday, two days at 4 p.m. Who are the finalists? What are OU's chances? And, and where does he project at the next level? Hit all that and more right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, and El Reno bring you the sour of Locked In. Dorsey Jones is family-operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. That's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, in El Reno. Uh, thoughts and prayers to South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer, who apparently uh, broke his foot kicking something he wasn't supposed to after the loss to Florida on Saturday. Uh, Kicking he something he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, no more details what, what, other, than, other than that. That could mean but, a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer shared with the media on Tuesday that he broke his foot when he kicked something he shouldn't have following the loss to Florida over the weekend. Uh, they led by 10 in the fourth. Florida ended up winning. Shane Beamer has another loss, a 2-4 and four record, and a broken foot as well. That's tough. Don't wish that upon anybody, least of all Shane Beamer. Well, uh, there are actually a few people I would wish that Jimbo, upon. the head coach, he's going up against this weekend, huh? Or have you started to feel uh, if you started, have you started to feel bad a little bit for Jimbo? No, I don't feel bad for Jimbo. Okay, How can good. you feel bad for Jimbo? I don't. I was just making sure that you, you don't either. I, I think it's Is there anyone out there? I want to know on the text line, please. If there is anybody that feels bad for Jimbo, please speak up. I don't think Billy Lucci feels bad for uh, Jimbo Fisher at this point. Yeah, Billy Lucci doesn't feel bad for Jimbo. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find anybody that does. Uh, okay, the the big stuff from the press conference today, mostly injury stuff, I would say. Kenai Walker, Macari Vickers, Josiah Wagner. Sounds like they're all going to be available for Saturday. So the corner depth is back, and I would say really kind of the depth in the secondary as a whole is is in a pretty good spot. Uh, with Walker, Vickers, and Wagner all back. Brent was asked about Javante Barnes, and essentially he said, we'll see, right? Yeah, which uh, there has been no actual clarity there. I would love some. 
there has been no actual clarity on what is going on with Javante Barnes. You know, because he warms up and he looks great. Yeah. You know, Brent is someone that is not afraid of a nine and a half minute answer. Heck, the first question last night at Rudy's, he goes on for nine and a half minutes with his response. But when it comes to Javante Barnes, the answers are about um, five to eight seconds long when he's asked about yeah. Barnes and even Sawchuck. No previously. details. Uh, any other highlights from the press conference other than those three being back and Barnes? Uh, who, who knows what's going to happen with him? I'm trying to think. A uh, couple reporters prodded him to talk about the Caleb Williams, Dylan Gabriel situation. Brent evaded those ones. Well, well he, he the Caleb Williams the side for yeah. sure. Yeah, he answered the questions. He evaded any mention of Caleb Williams. Correct, as you figured he would. But uh, yeah, all in all, I mean, he's he was complimentary of UCF. Says that that's a program they're taking seriously. I didn't realize their offensive line was as good as it is. Well, one of the 23 Joe Moore Award midseasons uh, honor roll offensive linemen. Which, by the way, I, I was looking at all 23 offensive lines that are on that uh, midseason honor roll. Eight of the top, there, there are eight teams in the top 10 that are on that midseason honor roll. The only two teams in the top 10 not on that OU and North Carolina, coached by Mac Brown. Really? OU and North Carolina, the only two teams in the top ten, not on that Joe Moore Award midseason honor roll. Interesting. Well, to be fair, mm-hmm. OU's running game has not been very good. I don't think that's U- on the offensive UCF's line. UCF's has, man. UCF has. They've been able to run the ball. And um, with uh, with John Rice Plumlee back in uh, back in the rotation, he's – he for, for those that don't know, he's their quarterback. He's one of their best players, if not their best player overall. And he also plays on the baseball team at UCF as well. So he's overall just a really, really gifted athlete. I'm going to guess his future is in baseball. I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm going to guess that. But he's overall just a uh, a really good athlete. Got a lot of respect for John Rice Plumley. That's that's for sure. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the text line. Real quick, because I mentioned it a couple of times, forgot to get to it. Who are we realistically considering uh, being on flip watch right now? Rivals mentioned... Williams Winery as, yep. as one. So we got Winery that's there. Are we putting Bryant Wesco I on flip put, watch? I, I would put Wesco in that conversation. And then I don't feel as strongly that there's a shot with Dominic McKinley as I do about Winery and Wesco. But obviously, if A&M continues to scuffle. There's a couple that you monitor here moving forward. Definitely. Right? Definitely. Sean on the text line says, does anyone feel bad for Spencer Rattler five years in college and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers <laughs> in his future? Remember going I, into last year, he was supposed to be the number one overall pick. Oh, yeah, he was. And, I mean, people were just giving that up. But I actually think Spencer Rattler is going to be drafted in the upper rounds of the NFL draft this coming April. He's played pretty dang good ball. What do you say, like second or third? You're not saying first round. No. I, second or third. But I also, like, here's the thing. Yeah, he's probably a second or third round guy. But with how many teams in the NFL right now have quarterback issues, A, there's always a chance somebody like that gets overdrafted. And B, with Rattler, I think he's just got ridiculous enough arm talent that he's going to leave a few sc- scouts drooling at his pro day. And some somebody probably will take a chance on him earlier than they otherwise would because they're going to be in love with the things he can do with his arm. Yeah. By the way, here's what Rivals had to say on Winery. They had like uh, 
you know, five guys in that region that could be on flip watch, including Carter Nelson, the uh, Nebraska commit, who I guess was at Notre Dame this past weekend. But they say about Winery, he um, shocked many when he opted for the in-state Tigers over Georgia and OU. The nation's top defensive player appears solid with this pledge to Mizzou, but there is little question that Oklahoma, Georgia, and others will be working their hardest to flip Winery prior to signing day. Missouri's vast improvement only helps the Tigers' cause here, but this could very well be a recruitment that keeps everyone guessing until he signs on the dotted line come early signing day. Yes, I, I have a very good feeling. Regardless of where he's playing next year, I have a very good feeling that we're going to be talking about this situation uh, on the eve of signing day and on signing day itself. Feel, uh, feel pretty good about that one. As do I. And again, Missouri winning undeniably helps their case. But it's, that's still Missouri, you know? Yeah. Like Houston won 10 games last year, too. Jim in Tulsa says, heck, if several of the 24 class are already wanting to leave A&M, might as well see if DJ Hicks would enter the transfer portal and come with them. Second day in a row, uh, second day in a row where someone has mentioned, someone has mentioned the possibility of uh, David Hicks being on the uh, roster next year. I'm not ready to go there, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that we are getting those texts uh, nonetheless. But that's what happens when you well, feel like you finish second to someone and their coach might get yeah, fired. Yeah, and, and I'll just ask the question, knowing what – I know and hopefully everybody knows right now about how the DJ Hicks recruitment went down. Would anybody be terribly blindsided if he entered the transfer portal? Well, actually, I, I mean, I, like the numbers from A&M, guys that have either you know got, gotten kicked off the team or entered the transfer portal, I don't know if they've had the most portal entries in college football the past two years, but they've had quite a bit, especially from guys who you know, we're four- and five-star players. So, any honestly, man, anyone leaving A&M at any point, especially if they have another tough year, uh, wouldn't be all that surprising to me. Wouldn't be all that surprising to me at all. Uh, let's see. Uh, we, you got to change a texter's name. Guy that promised us the case of Olipop if Caden Durham doesn't sign with LSU is now promising us a, a case of Olipop if Rattler goes in the top three rounds. And that is a bet. So that's I, the yeah. new bets. Yeah. I feel pretty good about that. Because, again, I, he'll – He'll probably do something like Zach Wilson did in 2021 at his pro day where he just makes one throw that blows up on social media and everybody's going, how on earth did he make that throw? Because Spencer Rattler's got that kind of arm talent. Um, Some questions on Javante Barnes. Someone asking if he is ineligible, if that's the situation. No. Yeah, I mean, if, if he's out there, if he's dressed out and he's warming up, He's not ineligible. He's yeah. He, I mean, it's he. He's not. He's not ineligible. I, I'm guessing, like he had the foot surgery, right? I, I'm guessing that that is maybe still lingering for him. And Brent told us as much two, three weeks ago that he is not practicing well at this point. So that's that's kind of where I think we are at this point. He's not practicing well enough for them to feel good about the, throwing him out there. So I. Great text from Jay in Medill going back to the Shane Beamer broken foot. He says, Beamer must be getting weak out east. Bevo, or, uh, BV kicked Bevo's derriere and didn't break anything. Didn't um, didn't Beamer headbutt somebody when he was at OU? Yeah. And he was, had like a cut on his on his face somewhere? It was Austin Stogner, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he headbutted Stogner. Uh, I can't remember what year was that, what that, when that was. Was that 2020, 2019, that 2020? Been, that would have been 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
he'll still be out there with the broken foot. That, that'll be great to see old Beamer there in College Station this week with the broken foot. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, we'll hit your text. Coming up next, more OU Cruton as well, right here on The Ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune. Bob Stoops joins us on The Ref coming up next hour at 320. Be sure to tune in for that. OU put out a, uh, not really a graphic today, but it was kind of a, you know, th- this media booklets that they give out every single Tuesday at the press conference about the big defensive turnaround that has been going on in Norman. Um, they have stats from last year, like 2022, what the defense did a year ago and what it is 2023 to date. Uh, opponents' points per game last year, OU allowed 30 points per game, Ugh. 14 points per game to date uh, up to this point. That'll play. Uh, yeah, it'll play. Opponent yards per game, 461 last year, just 352 through six games so far. Rush yards is down from 187 to 113 a game. Uh, rushing yards per play, opponent rushing yards per play, down from 4.5 to 3.3. I mean, there's not a number that you can't look at on here and say, oh, yeah, 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 that's a lot better than what it was last year. And I know that that didn't surprise anyone that the defensive numbers are better than last year, but when you really look at it this way, you say, it's not even close, man. It ain't even close from last year. Well, and that really puts it into context. I think that last statistic that you mentioned, because if Oklahoma was averaging 3.3 yards per carry as a team, we'd be talking about how abysmal the Oklahoma rushing attack is. I think we ought to be talking more about how good the Oklahoma run defense is because opponents collectively are averaging 3.3 yards a carry against this program. Yeah, and that's against guys like, uh, I I keep seeing these midseason All-American lists today, and Jonathan Brooks, the running back of Texas, is all over those things. All over those things. And what if I would have told you before the year, hey, uh, Texas' biggest question mark going into the year is probably uh, replacing Bijan Robinson. Most people are going to think Jonathan Brooks is a midseason All-American. And you guys keep talking about Barnes and Sawchuck. They're not going to be much of a factor. That probably would have changed the way that you viewed both teams before the year. It didn't matter. Oh, you still dominated the game between the two teams. Gosh, and that truly is bizarre. Because, again, you tell me in August, yeah, Texas is going to have a dynamic running game, two backs that are really, really strong. And then Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk aren't going to factor into the game plan at all in the Red River showdown. I'd be like, oh, no, is it going to be 49 to nothing again? <laughs> but here we are, yep. and the Sooners' offense is clicking, and it's thriving. And it's thriving more than anything because Dylan Gabriel – is the straw that stirs the drink. We are about 49 hours away from Michael Boganowski announcing uh, Thursday, 4 p.m., Junction City. I'm guessing you're going to be there on Thursday for the Michael Boganowski announcement. I will be there. Number one player in the state of Kansas. It's OU, it's KU, it's K-State and Florida State. And it seems like one of those, Parker, that, uh, you know, normally two days out we say, okay, you know, who – if not OU, who's it going to be? Who is a realistic contender here down the stretch? It doesn't really feel like that matters at this point with Boganowski. Whether it's KU, K-State, or Florida State, it feels like all sides kind of know what's going to happen here in 49 hours. So you said 4 p.m.? 4 p- that, yeah. Because originally it was 3, and then I saw a tweet from him this morning that he was doing it on the uh, 24-7 sports recruiting show at 4.30. Oh, and <laughs> We've having, having been a part of that show in the past, I know that 
Live commitments never actually happen right at 4.30. They always happen later in the show at like 4.45, 4.50. So I'm like, oh boy. Well, just commits in general, that seems to happen. Yeah, so who knows when it actually happens. But Thursday afternoon, yes, I do expect that Oklahoma will pick up. I'm not worried about uh, Florida State, KU, or Kansas State getting in, uh, getting some late momentum here and and making a a late push for Michael Boganowski. That's kind of my point is I'm not worried about that. And you shouldn't be. And you're not going to hear anything like that either. At least I wouldn't guess that that's going to be the case. I don't think that you're going to wake up uh, tomorrow or on Thursday and you're going to see, well, a Florida State insider just logged a prediction for Michael Boganowski to end up uh, with the Knowles. I I think all the predictions right now are uh, OU, and uh, they're going to stay that way. And Brandon Hall is going to get the credit for this one, but you're still not going to be surprised if he's a linebacker at some point when he gets here. It, would it shock me if he ended up playing linebacker? No. But again, the plan for him is to play safety. That is what Oklahoma has sold him on. That is the vision that he is down with. And so, could that evolve at some point? Sure, it could. And he's a really dang good linebacker. But the Sooners see him. And I think, I, I forget which texture it was last week, put it very well. He's the type of guy that's a Big 12 linebacker and an SEC safety. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, Michael Hawkins just continues to throw up just crazy numbers week in and week out, crazy numbers week in and week out. Uh, give that man the respect he deserves. And I saw that Jaden Jackson he put this out I think on Friday. Is he a unanimous four star four star now across all the services? I think he, maybe he's just a twenty four seven sports composite four star, but that if you want to talk about underrated uh, players in this class, you may want to start with Jaden Jackson or Michael Hawkins is underrated. Jaden Jackson is, I think, still underrated, despite the fact that yeah, he is a four star across the board. A lot of these guys are going to move. Everyone that watches an IMG game, they're like, yeah, David Stone, you know, looks the part. I guess unless you're with Inside Texas, <laughs> but everyone comes out and says Jaden Jackson's a really good player, really good player, because he is. He is a really good player. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.